Who wants but hey, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Java Chat. It's Coffee with Mike here, and today I get the honor of sitting with a gentleman who I've been like waiting for this one for a while. <laughs> uh, I have here with me Mr. Terry Jones. Terry, thank you for coming and joining us on Java Chat today. Hey, it's my pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with the name, I'm going to have him go ahead and share a little bit. But um, this gentleman is very, very much um, an icon in the in the travel industry, uh, and I'll let him explain why. Terry, give us a little bit about your background. Well, I started my career uh, as a travel agent. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I thought I was going to Vietnam, and I got rejected because of my eyes. And uh, wow. So my college roommate had a free pass. His dad was a pilot on TWA. And he said, I'm going to spend a year going around the world. So uh, two of us joined him. I came back and wanted to get in the travel business. My dad wasn't thrilled because he had just gone to college. Um, but I went to school at night and learned how to write tickets and do the pricing, all that stuff, because it was all done by hand. Yeah. And I became a travel agent. And six months in, my boss said, let's go do a startup, my manager. So we did a travel startup focused on travel to Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. Uh, and travel there was booming at the time because wow. uh, Nixon and Britain were trying to be friends. And uh, that turned into the 50th largest travel agency in the United States after about five years. And then I jumped to a computer company uh, that had computerized our company. It was a mini computer company uh, that did accounting and ticketing and the back office stuff for travel agents. And uh, that company was acquired by American Airlines after about wow. six months. So um, I was working at American Airlines. I became president of that division. I worked my way up. Uh, I, I was in charge of all the programmers. I had 500 programmers and I ran operations. And then I became CIO of American Airlines. Um, so I was CIO of Sabre, uh, the computer division of American Airlines. Um, while I was doing that, we had a, a little online product uh, called Easy Sabre. And that was on AOL and CompuServe. It was one of the very first products that let you book. Um, I remember so that before product, the, actually. Yeah. We had about 200,000 customers, something like that. Huh. And they, eventually, because Sabre's uh, job was to automate travel agents, we had 40,000 travel agents in the field with our systems, Jeez. the American Airlines system uh, that made reservations. Uh, the travel agent said, hey, what are you doing with this online stuff? You better turn that off. You know, you're selling bullets to the enemy. And the chairman Bob said, no, give it to Jones. He's over in IT. He used to be a travel agent. We'll hide it over there. <laughs> well, I got it. And it was 12 people. And uh, I said, you know, gosh, it's 1996. Why isn't this on the internet? So we put it on the internet. It was really the first uh, online travel site of any size. And it grew like a weed. And uh, so I, I finally said, I don't want to be CEO anymore. I want to do that. <laughs> everybody said you're crazy you know and i said no i think it'll be big so i stopped being cio and i became president of this little division with 12 people and uh, eventually we took it public for 1.2 billion dollars 
So uh, that was a huge, uh, interesting entrepreneurship journey because yeah. I grew up inside American Airlines, which is the story of one of my books. Um, and then uh, eventually, after about five years, uh, Sabre wanted to take it private. Uh, they, they thought it was their future. They wanted it back. Uh, I thought they would screw it up, so I quit. Uh, they <laughs> took it private. And, and they did screw it up. They eventually sold it for $200 million to Expedia. Oh. Um, so, um, and then I, I, I started a career as a public speaker uh, and an author. Uh, and I was a venture capitalist. I was with General Catalyst Partners. And we were, pardon me, I'm going to just mute my mic and cough. <laughs> There we go. Um, and uh, I was with General Catalyst and we got the idea for vertical search and travel. Uh, and there were a couple of small companies doing something like that. And we decided to found one. Uh, that's kayak.com. Mm. I was chairman there for eight years. Uh, we took that public and eventually sold it to uh, booking.com for 1.8 billion. When did you guys start kayak? Oh gosh, it was probably 2004 or six, something like that. We used to use you guys when you first came out. Did you? Yeah. yeah we well, it's exceptionally popular. Uh, they have something like 60 million mobile downloads. Um, uh, we and we were using the we were using the web-based version. I used to work yeah, in Telecom. Sure. <clears throat> we had to move around. You guys always had the best rates. Yeah. Well, and it was very fast and oh yeah, a very client. And uh, so here I am now. Uh, I've also been on, uh, I've served on 20 boards of directors, seven public companies. Well, that's most all? Of them, most of them were <laughs> sold. Uh, something <laughs> uh, I've done five startups. Uh, I've written two books. Uh, so now I'm still on, I'm doing board work. Um, last year I became a virtual speaker. I built a studio here in my house because uh, I couldn't go on the road. I did 50 virtual gigs. Nice. Um, and uh, so now I'm a speaker and an author and a, and a board member and still an angel investor do a, and do a lot of advisory board work for startups. Uh, on the angel side, are you doing that as a solo angel or are you with any of the groups? I was with the uh, Sierra Angels for a long time. That's one of the oldest angel groups in the West. It's here in Incline Village in Nevada where I am. You can see I'm at Lake Tahoe. I wish that was my view. It's not, but, <laughs> um, and uh, now I'm really just myself. That's awesome. What kind of um, what kind of experiences did you have? Well, it wasn't just kayak. You did you did kayak and one other, right? Travelocity. Travelocity. Okay. What was that one like? I mean, was that another one that just was born out of a hey, let's just well, as, as I said, you know, I, I, as I said in the story I was telling, I was you know, it, it was a little department at American Airlines online with Easy mm -hmm. Saber. We put it on the internet. Um, it started to grow like crazy. We actually discussed doing it as a joint venture with Microsoft. Bill wanted to, to do a travel thing, but uh, these were two very big companies who were like elephants making love. You know, they just couldn't figure out how to do it right. It took a long time. What? Um, so, <laughs> so we didn't uh, we didn't succeed. They brought out Expedia. A lot of people uh -huh. don't remember Expedia started inside Microsoft. Travelocity started inside American. So it's very different doing entrepreneurship. Uh, it's not hard to get money uh, or space or computers, um, but there are a, a bunch of things that I talk about in my book on innovation. Um, first of all, you know, we had to create our own culture. So yeah. I moved out of the building. Um, 
Yeah, we stopped wearing, everybody, Americans still wearing suits and ties. It was crazy. Um, we, we got people, we had a lot of people on loan. Um, they were reporting to do bosses. That didn't work very well. Eventually, we got to separate them. We, got, we lost a lot of corporate services that we didn't want. Uh, purchasing was too slow and adversarial. IT didn't work very well for us, those kind of things. We kept legal because we got sued a lot. Um, and um, we had a separate budget uh, that was really held by the CEO because everybody wanted our money and thought we were going to fail. Sure. And we were losing a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and everybody else was making money. Um, so there are a number of steps you have to take to, to separate your culture, to build the right team. Uh, I brought in a hell of a lot of people from outside the airline culture because I wanted that culture clash. You know, um, in, in the successful companies, you have good debate. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So the travel people and the non-travel yeah. people would argue, and that was healthy. Um, and, we, and we moved out of the building. So there were a lot of steps uh, that were necessary uh, to make that a success. Now, Kayak, totally different, adventure-funded sort of traditional startup. Right. Um, so uh, it, it was good to be separate. And, and the hard part, when Travelocity grew up, they did the right thing. They took it public. They probably then should have brought it back and just left it alone. Yeah. But they brought it back and they broke it up. They sent marketing to marketing, sales to sales, IT to IT. And, there, you know, there was no esprit de corps. There was no leadership. It just collapsed. Yeah. It became just a, a brand. So that was sad. Yeah, it is sad. I, you know, I think, I think a lot of people miss that. When you, when you try to take something back and you start trying to compartmentalize it after it just cut in its own compartment, you begin to dilute and you begin to just completely uh what's the disassemble is the word that comes to mind right. you disassemble the whole the whole point of why it was begun in the first place well you can do it different ways you know we they could have made it a separate division sure they could have left it, they could have left it spun off and just made money from it or the leader of the internet at rei told me uh that when the internet was small they had an e-commerce division yeah but they said you know, when that grew up we took the e-commerce division apart and we just poured the internet into the company and we made everybody responsible for it and that's another way to do it it, it but you got to let it get big enough first yeah that it's not going to get killed by you know the old guys i, I know there's a story about reed hastings at netflix saying uh, eventually he had to have a separate meeting with the cd execs because he couldn't have the cd and the streaming people in the same meeting yeah it just worked and they yeah. were just fighting all the time instead of saying what's what's good for the company. Yeah, that makes sense. And you have when you have that uh, the old guard and the new guard. See, it's interesting. You said that there was healthy debate because you brought people into to the other venture for from outside the travel industry and inside healthy debate internally. But when you have an old guard mentality versus new guard mentality, that that debate's never healthy. <laughs> well, that's right. And the people I brought in, remember, we were all focused on the same product. Yeah, we weren't we weren't saying gas car, electric car. Right. We were saying Travelocity. Right? Yeah. So th that's that's what's uh, going to be so interesting to watch at a company like GM. You know, where they where they have this commitment to get rid of the internal combustion engine by twenty thirty five. That's um, going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Branching change, you know, versus Tesla, where it's just all about electric cars, and we don't have to argue about that. We can argue about what kind of electric car. But we don't have to argue about well our old sales channel and you know what are we going to do with the with the gas can manufacturers and all that kind of stuff. Right, exactly. 
You, you know, being an angel investor, what are some of the things that you come across or what, are, what let's, let's start with this. Your, what's your sweet spot when it comes to what you like, like to look at? Well, I, I'll tell you what I don't invest in is travel. Uh, and the reason <laughs> is- I wonder why. People, well, well, no, people come to me for travel. I say, you just give me stock. You know, if you want me to be on your advisory board, you want my name. So I'm not giving you money. Yeah. Um, and most, some of them say, well, you have to. And I go, well, you find somebody else. You know, forget about it. Because <laughs> um, I got a drawer full of worthless stocks, so I don't need more. <laughs> no, I'm looking for, um, you know, as I look at pitches, the thing that I see missing most of the time is you see people who have a really interesting idea, um, probably a decent um, go-to-market, decent uh, plan to monetize. It's their go-to-market plan that's usually lacking. You know, it's, 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 they don't say, well, you know, then a miracle occurs and I have millions of customers. So they don't really talk about, you know, well, am I using search? Am I using social? Am I, you know, selling through intermediaries? Am I a B2B guy and I'm hiring bad? How am I going to do this? Uh, that seems to get like a quarter of a slide. Is that, <laughs> is, do, you, do you think that's a lack of... Do you think that's just a lack of vision or do you think that's just a, a, a lazy point? Because I've, I've seen both and I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I think it can be both and it can be, I don't, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. So I'm jumping over it. Um, you know, it's one of the hardest things. I mean, look, and it's changed so radically. When Travelocity started, we were using banner ads on the web. There was yep. no search. Yep. We used radio and TV. Yep. Okay. Those were the three. And that's Remember that. the way we, people started. Kayak was 100% search until just before we went public and we bought a lot of TV to make Wall Street happen, right? And, and that worked out. Um, but search terms were cheap and there was no social then when we started. Yeah. Um, you know, now social is huge, um, but, you know, people have moved on to video and TikTok. And, yeah. Yeah. and, and of course, you know, at least 70% of Kayak's lift was viral. Yeah. People yeah. love yeah. it. And they talked to people. They didn't really know what it was, but they knew that it was faster and easier to use than anything else. It was it was interesting, uh, our experience with Kayak. And again, this is when I was working in Telco. Um, it was one of the engineering uh, technicians. He says, uh, we need to book a flight. Go check. Go check Travelocity. Go check Kayak. And I was like, what's Kayak? He goes, get on kayak.com so most of what we knew of kayak wasn't even search it was somebody else had already used it and yeah. they said go right. use that and it's like exactly. it was it was it well, was, it was, it was very the best model and, yeah. and i think that's the interesting thing today is there's so many different models travelocity was an online travel agency yeah kayak was a search engine you know and it was pay-per-click yep and we we said to the airlines look People search us, and then when we come to you, they don't go to the first page. That's where Google dumps your customers. We take them to the last page. They put in their name and credit card, and they're done. Yeah. So our clicks are worth way more than Google clicks. And oh, they yeah. went, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know, so, so whether it's uh, building a platform, whether it's a subscription model, um, you know, how are you aggregating your customers, and what is your new model uh, for, for the new world? Right. Yeah. And, and of course, everybody wants to be SaaS of some kind today. Um, and, and, you know, that can work. I mean, look, uh, Philips, the lighting company, 
just went to Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam and said, we don't want to sell you light bulbs anymore. Because why not? So we want to sell you light. I said, what? We want to sell you light. We want to light the airport for the next 20 years. So we're going to charge you this. We'll pay for the power. We'll pay for the lamps. We'll, ins- we'll do the servicing. We'll replace the lights. We'll do all of it. Wow. And they got a 20-year contract for lighting. So they immediately built bulbs that last twice as long. Oh, sure. Because they can... They put in bulbs that use 75% less power. They're in the circular economy, so they re- take the bulbs out, recycle them, remanufacture them. Jeez. And they've got a recurring revenue stream, which is worth more to Wall Street. Oh, absolutely. Valuation is, is based on what sure. you have on paper. So, so there are lots of companies who are looking at different kinds of as-a-service, because as-a-service started in software, but now it's moving into industry. It's interesting that there is so much people, there are still a lot of people that want to get into SaaS. We were just at um, uh, the marketing advertising retail conference here in Las Vegas. Uh, young trio of kids are creating this um, augmented reality app. Um, it's called Quick Fit. And basically it, it literally takes clothing and fits it on your body as an AR and it app right in your phone. And they they just did a little initial like little Kickstarter thing and they got a couple grand out of it and I looked at that and was like I love the idea I don't think you guys are anywhere near where you should be as far as fundraising I mean I get it you got some small small costs to cover but I wonder where the rest of it is because they had a great presentation what the app can do right. plans and stuff like that and I'm like boy if you guys stood in front of some of the angels I know they'd eat you alive. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you got to learn. Yeah. I mean, I tell people who come to me with a bit with a bad pitch deck. You know, I help them. Yeah. Fix yeah. the deck, and then I said, "Go meet some angels who you're sure won't invest, and yeah. let them rip you." Yeah. Don't, you know, it's like starting in Boston. You don't start on Broadway. You open nope. in Boston. Yep. Right. Yep. So go somewhere and get the crap kicked out of you, and learn what's wrong, uh, and get better at your pitch. Because it may be great, but if the pitch isn't there, you know, look, VCs don't hire the idea. They hire the people. That's right. You know, invest in the people as much as the idea. So it's it's the people, the idea, and then, you know, the market size and how are you going to attack the market? Because they know the idea will never, in the end, be what it was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's going to change. And it's those people who won't change. They're the ones you see on Shark Tank where all the sharks go, you suck. And the guy goes, I'm, you're crazy. I'm doing this anyway. You know, you're like, yeah, and you're just going to burn a lot Good of luck. Money. Yeah, burn, burn, burn through all your savings, buddy, because you just got told it's not going to work. Was that, uh, yeah. there's a, there's a thing going around. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, talking about TikTok. There was an actual audio going around. Um, four things, make the plan, execute the plan, realize the plans went off the rails, throw away the plan. <laughs> And, it's, and that's essentially just about any startup. No, yeah, yeah. And any any general strategist is even even in war, they have a plan C, D, E, and F for a reason. A and B usually don't play out the way you think they do. That's, Not in any war. So it, it, battle plan never survives first contact with the enemy. No, never yeah. does because yeah. usually the yeah. enemy's got other ideas. <laughs> the yeah, sales plan never survives contact with the customer. So, you know, it's all about proto- prototyping. And somebody said a great thing once. It's prototype as if you were right and then listen as if you were wrong. Yeah. 
don't fall in love with your prototype. Somebody right. calls your baby ugly, it's probably ugly. You know, and, 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 there, and there's nothing wrong with ugly. That's the that's the part that most people have to still remember. Your well, baby's ugly. That's right. Okay, now let's go fix that. Ed Catmill at Pixar says new movies are ugly babies. Yep. Calls them ugly babies, and and they're you know they're really ugly, and you hope it's going to grow up to be nice, but you got to do the care and feeding. Yeah. Until it grows up into something. You know, I have a new granddaughter. I didn't see her during COVID, so she was born. I didn't see her till she was one. By the time she was one, she was great. But you know, before one, not not so great. <laughs> who who was it that did it? Um, somebody was talking about childbirth, and they said I had uh, my wife had given birth to a lizard. Yeah, the thing changed <laughs> colors three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, but this is in any startup that the, the colors are never what you originally start with. I mean, everybody rebrands. You know, the logo's never the same. I mean. It, just, just well, look, my last startup was an AI startup. Um, I got a call one day from Ginny Rometty, who was the chairman of IBM, and I knew Ginny. And she said, would you come up here and teach IBM Watson about travel? Wow. I said, well, that sounds interesting. Is there, you know, will you send me a ticket? I said, no. <laughs> you know, you know, difficult. We're IBM. You're going to come. And uh, so they that led eventually to a company they invested in called Wayblazer, and I partnered with the former GM of Watson. And uh, we made a lot of mistakes, uh, but the, we we were way early in AI, and we were selling to IT, and we were offering natural language search for their websites. So you can say, I want to go to the Caribbean in January with my kids. I need to have golf and a lazy river, and okay. boom, you'd find it. You can't do that in any travel website. Every website says, where do you want to go and what day? And then we used AI to search out the right images. So you wouldn't just see the front of the hotel. You'd see the lazy river for sure. golf. Sure. And we'd search out the reviews that said best golf in the Caribbean. The problem was that we were selling to the wrong people. The CIOs had a list a mile long. And even though we had proof that we could raise conversion, they didn't really care. We should have been selling to the CFO. Yeah. But we didn't have the team who could get in the door to the CFO. Now, in the end, just before we failed, we switched and created chatbot ads. So on a page, let's say you're reading an article about, I don't know, the Seychelles Islands. Yeah. There's a little chatbot yeah. in the corner. And it's saying, hey, look over here. You want to go to the Seychelles? And you say, yeah, I want to go in January. And it would start a dialogue with you and engage you right on the page. That's um, you guys? We did, well, we did that, and um, the company's gone now, but but we were selling to marketing. And the thing about selling to marketing is they'll try anything. Oh, yeah. You know, 50% of marketing budgets are experiments because nobody knows what works. So, you know, it's not only to build the best product, and we had an awesome product. It's do I have the right sales force selling to the right customer that I could move fast enough to gain revenue? Because in, in the B2B world, Everybody wants to sell to General Motors or Pepsi-Cola or American Airlines. You die doing that stuff. Oh, yeah. It takes too long. Those people take a year to, you know, set up a meeting. Yeah. So um, it's, it's important to, you know, have early successes with proof of concept, but find the right person in the company to sell to or sell to smaller companies who can move faster. And my daughter, of all things, is a travel agent. 
I spent most of my career trying to put it. I was going to say, how did, how did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny story and it's, it's instructive um, to young entrepreneurs in industry. And my daughter, know. of all things, is a travel agent. And I spent most of my career trying to put it in how, I was going to say, how did, how did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny story and it's, it's instructive um, to young entrepreneurs in your audience. She was uh, an opera singer, a voice major at Boston University. Wow. Doing great and lost her singing voice to Lyme disease. Oh. Uh, so she couldn't sing. She could speak, but she couldn't sing. So she croaked her way through graduation. What am I going to do, Dad? She tried a little bit of theater and stuff. And she said, maybe I could be a travel agent. And they said, well, you've been to 50 countries with me, you know, perhaps. And so she went to work for a woman in L.A. who just did Stars and Billionaires. And she came uh -huh. to me, said, you know that pirate movie? Maybe I'm doing those guys. Or, you know, yeah. <laughs> you can never tell me who she was working for. Well, um, you know, last year she opened her own business, sold a million bucks of travel in her first year, um, two years ago. Uh, then COVID hit, of course, her business went away, but she had a baby, so that's okay. And now it's just come back strong. My son, when he was uh, 16, he was totally into video games. And he and a bunch of other kids, nine other kids, wrote a game called Day of Defeat. And by the time he was a sophomore in college, four years later, that game had 50,000 players a day. And was wow. and they sold it to Valve for three hundred thousand bucks. Um, so he dropped out of college, worked at Valve for a year, and then they said, "Okay, we're done with you. We don't need you anymore." And he thankfully went back to college, uh, and then he went to uh, get a degree at a gaming school that I'd helped found at, at SMU in Dallas. Um, he went on to work at Sony Electronic Arts, started his own game company. Uh, which built an amazing game, was very successful game, but not successful enough to keep a company going. Yeah. Um, so, so he failed, but did he fail? No, he's gotten two awesome jobs since, and now is a senior gaming executive at Microsoft. So you don't, you don't know where kids are going to end up. You know, I thought he was playing too much video games and now, you know, he's a successful executive in video gaming. Yeah, when we were when we were young in those days, you could kind of predict where you were headed. I mean, it was easy to plan out, and there wasn't very much variables. Technology has changed so much. Your your statement is more truer than ever. I mean, this one, he's got the aptitude for flight. He does a lot of online flying. <clears throat> he's in the community of online pilots. Some of them that have pilots' license. In fact, one of his buddies is, I believe, an active naval pilot. Uh, flies on F-18 um, and they they hang out like he flies out to air shows so Great. he's in that realm but he doesn't have his pilot's license yet and his other interest is DJing now most people look at that and go oh my god not another one this is Las Vegas I'm, and you're in Reno you know our state yeah. I know guys that'll do a grand or two in a weekend just playing pools and they're no yeah, yeah. So it can work. It depends where you are, right? Yeah, that's. You wouldn't, want to, you wouldn't want to be a big DJ in uh, Montana. No, no. You, I don't know. The, I, don't, I don't know too many long, long, longhorns out there that that really appreciate that kind of. Yeah, music. the cows don't dig. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't know. And and look, I've had how many careers? I was a travel agent. I was a big company CEO. I did two startups. I'm a professional speaker. I've written two books. Been a board member. I'm an you know investor. Um, 
I'm chairman of a big boys and girls camp that I almost bought 50 years ago. Nice. Uh, so I'm involved in camping. You know, uh, today, what's so awesome today is you can, you can do a startup. Travelocity went public with 3,000 people. Kayak went public with 200 people. Uh, why? Well, because of the cloud, right? And because yeah. of search. <clears throat> we didn't need all those things. So, and, and my son built a game that really could compete with a large electronic arts game where they spent $200 million. They did it with four guys, you know, on credit cards. And, and you can do that today. Yeah. But, yeah. but you still need to have, in the end, probably a fairly large marketing budget uh, or just be, you know, incredibly sticky. Um, or better both. Yeah, there's there's been um, excuse me. There's been some interesting developments within within the AI community where it's not as hard to know AI as it used to be. Oh no, much easier than was. I mean, this my AI company was six years ago. We were using Stone Tools, even Watson. You know, we had to move beyond that, but we were having to build our own graphs. Mm -hmm. in our own graph database and, and teach yeah. things. Now you can buy, you know, uh, pre-taught out, pre-taught mm -hmm. databases. And, you know, it's about putting the components together. Yeah, It's still not easy. No, no, no. Um, there's, there's still work still to be done, but it's, it's easier to put it together. Oh, yeah. And, and I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with, with Amazon Echo and, and Google oh, yeah. and those oh, things yeah. because... We, we use those for voice all the time, but I'm still typing into my computer. Why? You know, why can't I, why aren't I just talking to my computer? Well, it, that's going to happen. It's going to change. We're, voice is going to be the next interface for sure. And, with, you know, we're not going to become these hunched over people with thumbs. We're going to be talking. With the, the, with the advancements of, of some of the things that have happened with AI already, like AI, AI voice, I don't know if yeah. you remember, there was a thing circulating a while where Google had a AI test and they actually had the Google AI book a, a hair appointment for somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, did you see that video? I thought yeah. that was amazing. And I'm like, okay, they have it. Why the hell isn't it out in the marketplace yet? It's because it, was, it wasn't it was done. They were, it was really just testing it. But there are now companies out, not Google. Oh, you, yeah, there are lots of them that do that. Sure. The AI voice is like, really getting solidly convincing right it's well look at look at the uh, the new uh the new movie about tony bourdain that just came out there's a big controversy because he's not actually saying several of the lines they used an auto-generated voice that sounds like him so now people are freaking out saying well it's a documentary about him it's supposed to be him speaking it's not you know we're not going to have any idea that you know the 2024 political ads they're going to make people say anything. Well, they've already and had it. They, they've actually already caught it. <clears throat> there were a couple of, um, I can't fakes. remember which one, but there were already a couple of deep fakes discovered um, on certain oh, yeah. that were done. Uh, it, it's it's to the point where the AI, the, the thing that I'm glad right now is the AI isn't thinking for itself yet. It got close. Right. Um, where they had that little scare with Google where the, the, the two AIs started creating their own language and the, the engineers shut it off because it started shorting it, uh, started shorting the English. Um, where one AI was talking, all of a sudden it would start taking out articles, it would double certain things, and then the other side would do the same thing, and they started, they started literally communicating in a new language. And the engineers went, we don't know what this is, kill it, before they yeah. get it for a Yeah, that's right. I remember in Microsoft, yep. Yeah, and that was and that was that was crazy to me that okay, 
So and only because I read the book, Deep Neural Networks, just to kind of try to figure out how AI does all of this and what the programmers are actually doing. By the way, I hate statistics, just saying. But the, the idea of what a deep neural network can do and its ability to think as clearly as it does without emotion, that's the part that scares humans because of the fact. Yeah, as it should. Yeah. So, you know, we need... You know, the, we, we do need, uh, my, my former partner has, has started an association and it's working in many countries, not the U.S., around good, safe AI. Um, you know, and Musk is involved in that and others. Uh, it's, it's very important because, you know, that it could be the thing that runs away with us. But on the other hand, you know, it's very powerful stuff and, and uh, it, can, it can do amazing things. And anybody who isn't deploying it um, is behind the curve. And, and what you have to remember is that once you have it, it's learning 24 by seven by 365. So if you don't have it, you're never gonna catch up with your competitor who does. Yeah. Cause you can't learn as fast as nope. they do. <clears throat> Correct. And I, I think one of the best parts about that too is you can direct the learning right now. Eventually <laughs> it's, eventually that's gonna be tougher because you're gonna have to justify direction of learning when it becomes that's that whole thing about self-awareness when ai becomes self-aware we're screwed maybe that's well i think it's, it's important to understand as as leaders is that you don't want your programmer deciding your policy yeah so you know if the programmer builds their own biases into the algorithm there's going to be you know, then, then you're then you could have all kinds of issues and they aren't that smart. Look, I got a call from one of our customers and said, your, your AI is busted. And I said, well, what's wrong? And they said, well, it says that this Best Western Hotel has a golf course. Well, there isn't a Best Western Hotel in the world with a golf course. Yeah. So I went, well, let's go see why it's broken. And I looked at the listing, didn't say anything. <clears throat> one of the images was a picture of their one hole mini golf. <laughs> and it had a little golf leg, right? So the AI looked at it, saw the round hole, the grass, the hole. So we said, no, you know, the flag has to be at least four feet high, you know, before, <laughs> you're high before you qualify as a golf course. And so, you know, it still needs lots of training. Yeah. Well, and that's the good part is that we can still train it right now. It's, it's, I think as it learns, as long as we're, like you said, staying on top of what it is, directing the learning, I think we'll always be able to, to stay ahead. Well, that's right. And I think it's so important for, you know, startups today to really think about, you know, the level of digital disruption that's going on in the country and the world. My, my new book is Disruption Off, you know, the technological disruption that's coming for you and how to avoid it. Right. And, you know, in that book, I go through a dozen technologies that are really disrupting business. And so the question is, you know, do you want to be a disruptor and, and how do you want to be a disruptor? Yeah. Um, because, you know, disruption, innovation, disruption, they're just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. The only yeah. reason you call it a disruption is because you didn't do it. <laughs> if you did it, it would be an innovation, right? oh, sure. but you didn't. Yeah. So it was a disruption. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, 5G or cloud or big data or internet of things or 3D printing um, or blockchain or robotics, you know, what are you going to latch on to? Mm. Because big companies are trying to do this and they're too slow and lumbering to. 
So you want to be the startup that sells it to them or gets bought by them yep. because yep. you looked at their business and said, you know, how can I do this differently? I watched a show last night on the History Channel called The Machines That Built America. And they were showing uh, the guy who, who really started Caterpillar and his name wasn't Caterpillar, obviously. Nope. But he built a 19-ton tractor that was, you know, awesome, steam-powered, but it kept sinking in the mud. And he he figured out how to build those Caterpillar tracks, right, on it that made it more successful. But still, it wasn't as successful as the guy who had a steam tractor and said, why don't I take the gasoline engine from my farm and put it on a tractor? Yep. And his tractor hardly weighed anything. Yep. And was, you know, that became John Deere. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Ford, who looked at cars and said, I can make tractors. So you know, innovation is not necessarily anything new. I mean, Travelocity just took a typical travel agency and put it online. Yeah. Behind, the, behind the HTML, we were writing tickets, doing refunds. We had 2,000 people in customer service. You know, it, it wasn't that revolutionary, but it, it was worth, you know, a billion dollars. Yeah, it was enough. It was enough to get a check. Apple didn't invent the phone nope. or the music player or nope. the watch. And now their watch sales are bigger than the entire Switch watch, watch business. So you don't have to change the world. Um, you just have to come at it a different way. Well, it's a, you know, look at, look at people who are like experienced disruptors. Yeah. Apple totally disrupted music right, with, with, the, with their iTunes. Mm -hmm. And then Spotify killed them. Yep. Right? Yep. And then it again. And, and, you know, Apple killed Nokia in the phone business. Yep. Right. And, and Uber killed cabs. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. what, what is Uber? It's just software. Yeah. You know, I was asked to go speak to the American Limousine Association early in Uber's tenure. And I gave a speech on innovation. But, you know, somebody said, well, what can we do about Uber? I said, get some bloody software. <laughs> what's wrong with you people you have the cars you have the drivers you have the brand you have the customers you just don't have software all uber has is a piece of software that calls the car and charges you for it yep the ride's the same you know at that time was uber was just black cars right yep uh, but they they couldn't see to get out of their way i, I got asked uh, about i don't know five years into google's after google started to speak to the yellow pages association and i wanted to just say good morning ladies and gentlemen you're toast yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there was they, they paid me a lot of money, so you couldn't I say took that. an hour to kind of weave it together for them. <laughs> but they could have been Google, you they know. Could've. I mean, look, in, in the Yellow Pages, if you want to buy a hat, you had to look up haberdashery. You had to know what that was. I mean, you couldn't come at it. With search, you can put in whatever you want. And, it, and, and it one, of the, it one of the brilliant marketing things was that, you know who owns Mosquitoes.com? Off. I was going to say, it's either Black Flag or off. <laughs> right, because if you're searching for mosquitoes, you want to kill them, right? Yeah. So, you know, what does your customer want? I mean, you can go to REI and search for ice climbing. Yeah. They don't sell ice climbing, nope. but they sell crampons and, and coats and boots and tents. So you need to think about, the customer doesn't want your product. They want what it does. Right. And and so you, you have to be able to present it. You know, it's like all these you go to a, a website for clothing and they they all say shop by brand. 
And I think it's ridiculous. Now, some people are hooked on brands, but you know, I want a shirt first and then maybe, you know, so yeah. I don't know if these guys have shirts some, that I like. Some of the best brands, some of the best brands have horrible shirts. I mean, yeah. I, I'll, I'll take a Hanes over, well, I won't say the other name, but I'll take a Hanes over certain other brands that I know you'd pay 60, 70 bucks for. I'll take a Hanes shirt. I don't need a $70 t-shirt. That's no, what I need, Yeah, why Why would but, I want to spend 70 bucks on a name? So I think it's about, you know, looking at these disruptive technologies and then looking at, you know, whether it's platforms or outcomes like Philips was selling an outcome. Or yeah, your why were they? My goodness. Or, or you know, going D to C in a business that's never had D to C, like Casper selling mattresses online, mm -hmm. or, or a subscription business like, like uh, the Razor subscription business. Who, who would have thought you'd subscribe to a Razor? So you can disrupt through changing the customer experience, through changing how people pay for something, you know, with, with a traditional product, changing how they get it, which was Travelocity, right? right? Building a platform. Um, but as you say, you have to be willing to take risk and you have to be willing to fail. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, watch the game films. I mean, why do sports teams watch game films? Not so, to assess blame, right. to ensure victory, right? They know they're going to lose. They don't win every game. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we always have this never fail mentality. Look, in baseball, if you fail 70% of the time, you're awesome. Yeah. Bet yeah. 300. Yeah. Right? 300 batting average is really good. It's really good. You get a lot of chances, and there's, you know, not a lot of penalty for failure. Yeah. But that means... You got to test, you got to build prototypes, you got to use the 3D printer to check out what you're going to do. And, and then you have to listen to the customer and go, yeah, my idea isn't perfect. Because yeah. many people build a product to solve a problem in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. You mm -hmm. know, I've dealt with inventors who do that, make incredible things. But you got to make sure a lot of people have that problem. Yeah. Because some people just get religion about the problem and there are only eight people who have it. <laughs> nobody to sell to right uh, a buddy of mine just recently went back um they were they were working on a um an emergency it was a competitor to life alert and it was basically an app based deal and they were they were right about there to launch and then pandemic hit and then took a break market did what it did and they were about to go back into it. And he went out and made an investment to have a market research company go back and say, hey, is this still something that would be viable? He dumped in five figures to go get that research done. They came back and they said, nope, you'd be throwing good money after bad. Let it go. And he's like, well, what do I tell the investor? And he goes, I, I would tell the investor, cut your losses and just go, don't, don't do this. And they didn't. They, he listened. The world changed. The world changed. E-commerce e e e is up fifty percent. Thirty percent of doctor visits last year were telehealth. Yeah, right? and it's still and it's still going. I have that. It, it, Amazon hired you know Walmart and Amazon both hired half a million people. Um, you know, a lot most people don't want to go back to the office full time. Yeah, what is that? I, I just talked to the. I'm going to give a speech to a big furniture building association, all the manufacturers. And they got a double whammy because not only are not people not building new offices, they're not equipped to sell direct. They all sell through dealers. Yeah. Uh, so they can't even help people in their home office. So yeah. they've got to transform. Yeah. And there's so many businesses like that who are just not going to be the same. And business travel is not going to come back yeah. to 100%.
Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, here here in Las Vegas, we have the World Market Center, and it's been very empty since we. Yeah. And they usually have two shows a year, and those shows are usually packed. I haven't seen one show yet. Um, I do know that. No, the- it's interesting. I mean, I'm a public speaker. Last year, I did great virtually. This year, my business has dried up both virtually and physically. Nobody's had meetings much at all. Yeah. And they're all waiting for the fall where they think they can meet in person. Yeah. But now we have this Delta wave of COVID. Um, you know, Las Vegas are asking to put masks back on. I mean, look, I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. I'm vaccinated. But there are all these guys who are 30 and their luggage is a cooler. You know, I'm like, that guy's like, He's not vaccinated. I'm going to put my mask. You know, so that ain't going to last. And I I met with a bunch of meeting planners. And here's here's a good thing for entrepreneurs to think about is I'm talking about 300 meeting planners, and they say, well, we're dead tired of virtual, and and we we're not going to do that anymore. Everybody's going to go back to physical. And our job is to have a great meeting in a great location. And I go, no, I'm let me put my CEO hat on. Your your job is to create the meeting I want. Yeah. to motivate my customers, to get my, you know, my teams excited about the new direction, is to have a great meeting in a great location. And I go, no, I'm, let me put my CEO hat on. Your your job is to create the meeting I want, yeah. to motivate my customers, to get my, you know, my teams excited about the new direction of the company, to stoke yeah. uh, my dealers about the new products. And if it happens to be in a nice place, that's fine. But guess what we found last year? Most people had more attendees in virtual meetings than they ever had at their physical conventions. And even the booths worked and they yeah. got more lead. Yeah. So I think hybrid is the way to go. And these planners are saying, oh, hybrid's too expensive and it's hard to do and this and that. I go, look, talk to a CFO. They're yeah. not going to do the way they did before. I'm on the board of two companies, got rid of their annual dealer meetings. They're doing them by video. They work fine. So, but these guys are still saying, as the guy said in the movie I watched last night to Henry Ford, Henry's looking at a tractor when he's 12, and his dad said, that will never replace a horse. Come on, me. You know? I mean, that's, yeah, well, sorry, horse. You know, yeah. I'm not pulling a tractor. Well, it actually sounds like you just threw out a problem that needs a solution there. I mean, yeah. Hybrid well, I've been talking, expensive, to, I've been talking not- to video production companies to say, Look, instead of when somebody wants a hybrid meeting, say, well, that's going to involve us putting a, a union camera operator in every small breakout room along with a guy, you know, running a board. No, you you put a GoPro in every meeting room and that's all you need. Yeah, on the main tent, yeah, you're right. In, in one of these cameras, in the main tent, yeah, you need yeah. a couple of camera operators and a big screen and all that stuff, but you have that anyway. Yeah. So all you got to do is automate the breakouts. I mean, I have a, a little thing here called a Blackmagic A10, which is a under a thousand dollar mixer. Mm-hmm. You see it in the New York Times and the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal every week now, that is as good as a professional TV mixer. And I can run it re- with a remote in one hand. It costs a thousand bucks. My camera costs 700 bucks. I don't need a $12,000 camera and a $10,000 mixer and a $75,000 a year operator. You don't need it. So somebody's going to crack that and say, you know, and I have a friend who does, who does, he goes to meetings with a bicycle on the, on the back of his bike. You know, he has every, all the gear he needs in his saddlebags. Right? Perfect. Perfect. And, and he charges not very much and he's fully booked. He's making good money. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's it's like people who thought, well, don't worry, travel agents, Travelocity will never sell cruises. Wrong. They can't uh -huh. the biggest seller of cruises in the world. Yeah, I was going to um, say. So, you know, you, you have to, it doesn't mean that travel agents went away. Half of them are still here. Oh, yeah. They evolved into actually adding value. They're consultants. Yeah. Um, They're no like, longer agents. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a, somebody who helps me manage my money. And when I go on a $20,000 safari to Africa, I call my daughter. Yeah. And when I buy a ticket to New York, I don't. You know, so there are pieces in markets that you can chip away at. Um, and you don't have to go for the whole thing. You just have uh, to look at the business in a different way. I, I'll tell you, I'd be surprised if somebody, after hearing this, doesn't start working on that, what you just shared. And I wouldn't be surprised if you even get a couple calls. <laughs> you know, look, it's like the hybrid office. It's going to, yeah. it's, that's the way oh, yeah. the office is be. It's like it, at another company where I'm on the board, we used to sell, uh, send a salesperson and a sales engineer to every meeting. Yeah. Now we only send the salesperson, the engineer appears on video. You know, the salesperson can take you out and buy you dinner and the engineer can talk bits and bytes and speeds and feeds. Yeah. And, you know, we just cut the cost. And, and I'm a large consulting company I was working with had a hundred million dollar travel budget last year, two years ago. This year it's 50. There you go. Consultants spend more on travel than anybody. 50 million oh, bucks, yeah. but they cut it in half. They said, we figured out how to do it. We figured out how much of what we can do can be done by video. We don't have to go there. Oh, even with our business and, and we have a, I mean, we, we do some marketing AI, you know, automated lead generation. If I go out to a meeting, my CPO is all the way in Florida. I'm in Vegas. If I sit down right. and talk to somebody, I just pull them up on a, I pull them on a, on a quick Zoom, like what we're on now. Right. We have a conversation and from there we, we just keep going. It's, it, yeah, it's, exactly. And, and, you know, my son's video game company had a policy against work from home before COVID. And then during COVID, 100% of people work from home. Well, now, you know, they're trying to get everybody back in the office. HR is, and, and the managers are fighting it because they said, look, at EA and these other game companies, they're letting gamers live wherever they want. Yeah. And when, when you get an offer for a new job and you don't have to talk to your wife and kids and say, well, we're going to pack up the house, get the kids out of school, move across the country, you just change your IP address. Yep. That means, boom, oh, I don't like you. I'm out. And hiring managers haven't figured that out yet, that the portability of not everybody, but a lot of people has changed. Now, certainly more people are going to come back to work than said they would. But I think we're going to see this, you know, three days in, two days out or the reverse. Or, yeah. It's going to be very common. Well, um, you got, you got, um, you know who R&R is. R&R Marketing yeah. Partners down here. They had a two-story building. They're selling it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Look at, at the firewall company I'm on the board of. We're selling two, two buildings. Another company I just left, Boingo, big public company. Uh, we sold the company. Huh? I remember, Sorry. I remember them. I remember Boingo. Yeah, Boingo. Well, we, we sold the company for 900 million, so it was a good deal. Yeah. Um, and, and we evolved. I mean, there's a there's a history of evolution. So Sky Dayton started that company as Wi-Fi hotspots, yeah. and it was hard to monetize, but they, they won big in airports. So everybody yeah. used Boingo when they went through airports. You had a subscription every month, and you'd go through airports, and it was great. Then airports said, we want free Wi-Fi. And we said, well, you know, so we were 
subscription-based, we lost that subscription revenue. We still had the infrastructure. So he said, what else can we do with the infrastructure? Well, just at that time, all the telcos were trying to figure out how can they handle the cell volume in an airport? Yeah. Well, we had yeah. all these, we had all these endpoints. So we basically put small cell everywhere. Yep. And we became a cell, huge cellular carrier because they want to get you on Wi-Fi. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we needed to grow again. And we found that the US military wanted Wi-Fi on all the military bases. So we did all the US military bases and it became a huge, another huge business for us. So you, you've got to transform, you know, and, and and that company has continued. Now we're putting up cell towers and small cell. Um but it was, it was, it was time to sell. And that company has a big headquarters in LA. Nice. They're not, they're not going to keep the two stories. No, you know, the they're going to keep one. Yeah. I think the biggest, the, the only, the only big physical need going here coming shortly is going to be server space. And even that is now outsourced. And, you know, we have switch down here. If they've now, they're now opening a six. We have switch. Yeah, so yeah, you guys have them up there too. That's right. They opened up up there. They're they're opening a sixth building down here. Yeah, they're oh, it's, it's massive. Oh, it's insane. Somebody last night, I'm on the board of another little company, and they said, "Well, we're 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 partnering these guys who have a boutique data center." I said, well, "What the hell is a boutique data center?" They couldn't really tell me. I said, "Is that like a bespoke data center?" Uh, like, Come on, I built, I built data centers. I had one of the biggest in the world at American Airlines. You know, when I was there, we had a terabyte of disk. We were one of the first companies to have a terabyte. Wow. It cost me $20 million and it was the size of a build a house. Yeah. Basically, you know, yeah. a ball. And you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, this 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 is a terabyte now. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um you think about how that's changed and and as we think about, I mean, IT has some big issues with work from home, which, you know, everybody is saying WFH, they really need to say WFA, mm. which is work from anywhere. Yep. And then, you know, am I going to do desktop virtualization? You know, how am I going to protect all these endpoints? I really have to put it all in the cloud and I have to virtualize all those desktops yep. and I have to use VPNs and I have to keep, because, you know, security, I, I read an article yesterday, I was doing some narration and this guy talked about creme brulee security. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, hard shell, gooey inside. Ooh. And that's the way most security's been. It's been this hard shell around yeah. the data center yeah. and maybe the big office. And once you're in, you're in. So you can't work that way anymore because there is no office. So yeah. we have all these IoT devices, all these endpoints, all these locations, and they all have to be hardened because yeah. you're fighting against state actors here. Yeah, who are extremely sophisticated. Um, so we have to think about how that changes IT's role, and what are the opportunities for startups? Oh, sure. And figuring that out. Well, yeah, whoever figures out how to how to hard every endpoint, that's going to be that's going to be the next nine figure deal. It's a big deal. Cool. Hey guys, we're going to take a short, quick break. This is, by the way, I, I, I don't want to stop, but we, we have to take a break. <laughs> when we come when we come back, uh, we'll, we're going to go ahead and chat a little bit more about where you can find Terry, some of the other ventures, and of course his books. We're definitely going to talk about the books. So give us 30 seconds. We'll be right back. And we're back, guys, uh, hanging out with Terry Jones, innovator, angel investor, author, speaker. Shit, I've done it all, pretty much. <laughs> Um, CEO, chairman, CEO, chairman, <laughs> advisor, board member. It's you, you just find them up, guys. 
um, he's he's been there and he's done that, and he shared a ton of information. I think he's actually shared about three or four business ideas too. So for you entrepreneurs, if you were really paying attention, he laid out a like pretty much a freaking roadmap. If you're really listening, anyway, um, at this point. This is the time when we get to share uh, some of the cool stuff that he's promoting. Like right now, he, you see up on his backboard there, there's two books that he's written. Um, one about innovation, one about disruption. If you guys were listening earlier, he said there are actually two, two sides of the same coin. It just it depends on perspective. I'm definitely grabbing both books. I want to read them because I, 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 I want to see this. But can you give us some background on what, what inspired the books in the first place? Well, um... You know, as a speaker, when I began speaking, I wanted to speak a lot about Travelocity and tell the story. And obviously, they got a little long in the tooth after 20 years. Um, so I wrote I wrote this book on innovation, which really is, a, it's not just about Travelocity. It is my philosophy of innovation. But it, it does go through the entrepreneurship versus entrepreneurship. So there, there's lots of prescriptions in there. And it's a, pardon me, it's a cookbook. Um, it's 72 three-page chapters. Wow. You can read it front to back, back to front. It's about team. It's about culture. It's about funding. Um, it's a very quick read. Um, you can get it on Amazon, and it's available in, in paperback and in Kindle format and in audio. Uh, and I narrate it myself because I'm a speaker. Um, and you can then Disruption Off, uh, I wrote a couple of years ago because I've been speaking a lot about digital disruption. Um, and digital transformation. And, and as I said, innovation and disruption are just two sides of the same coin. Um, so the book is in kind of two sections. The first half is 10 disruptive technologies, whether it's AI, cloud, 5G, 3D printing, you name it, um, with examples of how they're being deployed in industry in ways you probably haven't thought about. Right. Um, like 90% of hearing aids are now 3D printed. Um, and that change happened over four years. Wow. And because they're custom fitted, right? That's you. right. And, and uh, look at the same thing in dentistry. Most fillings now are done yeah. with a with 3D CNC machine. So we're seeing that stuff being adopted. So the first half of the book is to scare the crap out of you. And the second <laughs> half of the book is, you know, what do I do about it? Uh, it? You know, if you're in an existing company, what is it that I need to do um, to resolve those issues of disruption? And the number one thing is you have to take more risk yeah. because every company was founded by a risk taker, but risk gets pounded out of companies and they don't take risks anymore. They become, their operational muscle becomes really strong and their innovation muscle is really weak. So you have to take risk and you have to be ready to fail because if you don't fail, you're not moving forward and corporations don't like failure. Um, yeah. And so, it, you know, so as a leader, you have to say, Look, the project Terry had that new idea, it failed. We're promoting Terry, right? Or, or we're giving Terry another chance. Because if people see that, that a failed project, you kill projects, you should be killing projects, not people. Yeah. Because it was probably the idea that was wrong, not the person. Yeah. Now, if Terry fails over and over again, okay, you send him to the farm team, right? But yeah. put him on the bus out of town. But, but mostly that isn't it. So you have to take more risk. You, you know, you really have to understand and listen to customers. And that's so easy to do in this, this connected world. Thankfully, um, thankfully. Connected products. I mean, look, today, all John Deere's tractors are connected. 
So yeah. they yeah. don't have to wait for the annual meeting to hear what the dealer says they think the farmer is doing. They listen to the farmer every day and they can update it. That's why I love my Tesla so much. It's five years old, but it gets brand new every month. They send me new stuff for free. Yeah. It makes me very loyal. Um, so there are lots of prescriptions in the second half of the book about what you need to do to be more a more disruptive company. And you can get the books at Amazon. Um, and you can learn more about me. Let me move over here. That says 30% discount. That discount isn't running right now. That's just, that was for a speech I did, but I happen to have this background. But tbjones.com is uh, where you can find uh, all my videos. Lots and lots of videos you can watch if you want to learn more. Or you can hire me as a speaker uh, where you can reach out and connect uh, if you want. And you have an interesting idea. And if I'm interested, I'll write you back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we might, we might have an opportunity to talk. That's beautiful. Awesome. So once again, guys, uh, Amazon or right off the website, make sure you grab a copy of both books because I'm sure both of them have a ton of golden nuggets in it. Um, is there any place, any, are you going to be any place somebody can actually see you online anytime soon or any? Uh, no, if you just come to the website, there'll be something. As I said, the speaking business is really quiet yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, I am I'm doing some stuff, but right now I'm doing a, a whole bunch of narration for a company. Uh, they have a thousand video clips of CIO predictions that wow. were made in the last year. And I'm doing intros. We probably won't do a thousand, but uh, we're putting them together with intros into podcasts and it's kind of fun. So Anything, I'm doing a lot of- any, any interesting trends amongst the CIOs as far as their predictions? Well, you know, they're all concerned about work from home. Sure. They're all concerned about security. Uh, they all know they need to move more quickly to the cloud. Um, so, and, and, you know, how do they connect with their customers better? Because CIOs, you know, used to be down in the boiler room, adding up the sales and keeping yep. the books. And now yep. they're chief with connecting with the customer and they're leading in most cases, the charge to digital transformation. Yeah. So you're seeing different types of people in that role doing different things than, than you've ever seen before. So they're all excited about connecting to the customer, but they knew they know that connecting to the customer and work from home increases their attack surface. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to have more attacks. Yeah. So they're trying to balance both and it's, it's very, very difficult. I was head of the committee at a public company for the last four years, and I had a little bit of hair before I took that job. I lost it all. <laughs> Maybe I should stay out of that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, would be interested to know where that gets posted when you guys finally do that. If, it, if it's something public, uh, that would no, be, be awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's.
For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.